snuggled in my favorite blanket. Mm-hmm. I brought it with me all the way from Washington. I used to meditate with that blanket every morning. I still meditate with it every morning here mm-hmm. when it's warm. I had a good meditation today. It was you good. Yeah, yeah. I had a fucking good nap today. You know, what is a nap if not meditation? I agree. Michael? How am I? Yeah, how are you? In fact, not just how are you, but hi, how are you? I hate Rosh Hashanah so much. Oh my gosh. Listeners, Michael and I, well, I went to a lovely Rosh Hashanah service today where I blew shofar and Michael gave me a ride and was a grumpy little bitch about it all day. I just hate Rosh Hashanah listeners. It just rubs me all the wrong ways. You just hate your family trauma about Rosh Hashanah, though. Like, give me one thing about Rosh Hashanah itself. Fuck those apples. You love apples, you stupid bitch. I love apples. I love apples. Yeah, that's what I fucking thought. You don't have any feelings about Rosh Hashanah directly. You just have feelings about how other people have related. Actually, I was thinking about this earlier. This may may or not go into the pod. This is Hava's psychoanalysis of Michael. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't say it as much anymore, but... When we first met, when we first started dating, you talked a lot about like the orthos and how they really had something that like our society is missing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I feel like since you've vicariously dove into religious world Mm -hmm. by being my my lover, my friend, and my podcast host, I feel like you've been sort of cured of that ideology. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Totally. You no longer believe whatever it is you used to believe about religion (laughs) i was thinking about this earlier i remember when i first met hava i was really into this idea of our society's fucked up actually religious people have something figured out hardcore 24 7 ds relationship religious people (laughs) have something figured out that we don't i both agree with it and i also don't want it right you've learned it's not for you well i don't know if it's not for me it's kind of hard to tell i'm a traumatized product of fucked up secular society you can't just quit your ssri you know yeah i mean you can and i have and i can tell you Dear listeners, it's not cute. And, you know, maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm too old for this. Can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing. Yeah, I'm just, I'm an an old dog. I'm an old Jew dog. There you have it. Michael is too old to get religious. I'm too old to get... Religion. Yeah, I think I might be. Who knows? Well, I don't know if that's true or not. I think there's there's a whole wealth of discussions to be had here. I definitely learned it. You know, before I became religious, I felt like I had lost the ability to believe in things, which I used to possess in spades as a child. And I've painstakingly gotten it back and it feels pretty good. I can't quite muster a belief in society. You mean like... Uh like that there's hope for oh, our, our society. society. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Well, listeners, we're recording in the time that you're listening to this, so you know <laughs> that it's shitty. Unless, listeners, you are listening to this from a bunker a hundred years in the future, in which yeah. case, hello, future listeners. Hi, future listeners. Hi, future listeners. I hope you're well in the year 6,781. Yeah, I hope you're well. You're doing well, listeners, hopefully. Uh, Hava. How are you? How am I? Yes. Hashem, I'm well. I'm doing better. Last time we tried to record this episode, I was doing really shitty. Listeners, you may know that I have, I'm going to say 
literally crippling neurological illness. It can really be set off with like so much as one missed night of sleep. I missed a night of sleep and I was really nervous about how my various mental and physical illnesses were going to manifest themselves and I just had a really shitty couple of days. But then I got some weed from Michael and some melatonin gummies. I think I took like a nighttime cough medicine as well. I took like every sleep inducing thing I could think of and I got a really good night of sleep last night and I'm doing much better. That's great. Also, I blew shofar at Rosh Hashanah services today in the park, Baruch Hashim. And it was really nice because blowing shofar is one of the sweet, sweet pleasures of my year. It really means a lot to me to have an opportunity to help so many people fulfill the mitzvah. So that was really special for me. It's a really special religious experience each year that I get to do it. Michael. Yes. What are we doing here? Our 32nd episode of Chai, how are you? Two to the power of five, guys. File that away. Nerd. Uh, Whatever, whatever. (laughs) On the 32nd pod of our pod, Mm -hmm. ep of our pod, pod of our ep. Pod of our Lord. (laughs) Pod of our Lord. I interviewed Sam. Sam Biagetti. Sam Biagetti. Of this podcast fame. Salty gay historian. Right. Also. So he has his own podcast. He does. We'll link you in the description. Oh, yeah. We're going to link you up. So good. And I wanted to have a little conversation with him about his take on God. He's a very smart guy, very gay, very smart. Sassy little bitch. Sassy little bitch. Very lucid. Listeners, I hope you don't mind how much we say bitch on this podcast. It's important to me, though. Yeah, it's really important to me. It's too. a very, it's a word that I've really claimed for myself. Mm-hmm. I'll let's just say I claimed it for myself, too. Sure. Why not? But the point is, Sam, he's a fun guy to talk to, and I think he uh, generates interesting, unique perspectives spoken in an eloquent fashion. I want to give him a little interview. Yes. Listeners, we were going to do another episode where we did commentary on an interview like we did in a previous episode called Back in the USSR. I was having such nasty health this week that we really couldn't record this episode to the last second, so we're just going to listen to the interview, but I think it stands on its own. Let's do it. We hope you enjoy it, listeners. I need you to hold it closer, Sam. How close does it... Just a little bit closer. I'm like making love to it right now. It's like in my mouth. That's the way we like it. Everyone just wants to be in my mouth. I know, Sam, but today we're not trying to get in your mouth we're trying to get in your head in my, in my head like the covid test you can like root around and in, in my brain we want to explore the crevices of your brain <laughs> and learn a little bit about god but not really learn about god we want to learn about you we're here to learn about you sam oh it's a fake out uh it's not a fake out <laughs> it was really about you all along yes and the friends we made along the way the friend of me can you describe where we are right now <laughs> we're in a sort of l-shaped room in an apartment in the west side of providence it's a bit lovecraftian it's got that sort of hipster lovecraftian vibe a little bit hipster a little bit lovecraft i think lovecraft has been canceled oh yeah everybody's canceled <laughs> oh yeah who's left who can we still cancel mm. it's dwindling gotta we've really got to get creative here is virginia wolf canceled oh totally uh, oh she's way gone <laughs> everybody's canceled okay what about edith wharton nobody reads her though 
<laughs> Who's reading Edith Wharton? Catherine Hepburn is not cancelable. I'm sure you can come up with something. Catherine Hepburn. Does anyone watch Catherine Hepburn movies? Um, Some of them are pretty interesting. Adam's Rib. Pretty surprising movie from like 1947. She's uh, she's out there. And listeners will know that's a mistranslation, potentially. It could be Adam's side. What? Side meaning that Adam had a side. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's not like literally a rib. You don't want to lose too many of those. I'm going to edit out a bunch of shit. I'm going to make this run all nice and groovy, <laughs> just so you know. So feel free to say anything you want. However inappropriate. However inappropriate. Yeah, I'm going to have to find a way to push the line. Like Billy Wilder. How do you get up to the edge of the production code without going over? <laughs> I think our oral sex joke is, is pretty close. Oh, really? Is is that not allowed now? No, no, it's allowed. Is it is it COVID unsafe? <laughs> Sit up, be an adult. You're not giving me a lot of options here. I'm on your bed trying to rearrange pillows to prop myself up. There's a mostly eaten apple. Mm-hmm. It's looking great. Yeah. We're doing good here. Audience, you may remember Sam from one of our earliest episodes where you came in and gave a little historical context for the Tanakh. Right. I have been told that that is one of the podcast episodes people recommend for an intro to us, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Because it's more approachable than our other shit. Yeah, they, they don't know what they're getting into. You are a historian. Mm. Is that an accurate It is technically accurate. I have the degree. You, you're a doctor. I am a doctor, but I do not save lives. What do you want to know? Sam, you're a smart guy, and you're a Jew. (laughs) I want to know where you stand on God. Where do I stand? Whose side are you on? Pretty pro- You're pro-God? Yeah, I'm pro. The thing is, it's a contentious thing. People tend to take sides about, are you an atheist or religious? Do you believe in God or not? And I think that it's one of these conversations where people really miss the point a lot. Like, I don't really see it as something to argue about. I mean, there are ancillary things related to it that you can argue about, but it's really not a question of, do you think X or Y proposition is true? These things like, do you believe even evolution or not, like are really a distraction, right? Those are just culture war distractions. If I say I believe in God, it's not like I think that there's some set of doctrines that I'm affirming are true and that I think you have to believe are true. It's more a matter of just your frame of view, your frame of reference for how you look at things, right? And I've always been attracted to religious talk, talk about God and prayer and the Bible and all of that. It's because I think it puts you in a different frame of mind where you're looking at things from a great distance, right? God is sort of this way of referring to something very transcendent and far removed from kind of petty day-to-day considerations, right? So I think, you know, God comes to mind to me when I like look at a beautiful view and I see I'm looking at a river or um, whatever, a snowstorm. And I imagine being able to like pull back 
to a great distance and picture what I'm seeing as if I were thousands of years or thousands of miles away and kind of ordinary things are all put aside or put at a distance. How's that view different from other views? Tell me what what that view isn't. Well, what it isn't. I mean, worrying about some little dispute you had with your neighbor or your roommate or worrying about how you look. You know, all these things that are going to be just gone and irrelevant very soon. You know, that that's that's what it contrasts with to me. And I grew up watching a lot of movies, like too many movies. And I realized at some point that that really influenced how I see things. Because when you watch a movie, you're seeing this, you know, motion picture, right? And it's all contained within a frame. You're seeing people in there doing things, saying things, sometimes with all this passion as if it was so important. But at any moment, you can just pause it and step back. In any moment, you might hear the music, right? And remember that this is just a movie. This is just a drama being acted out, right? I think when you've grown up seeing movies like that over and over again, it's like it created this piece of my brain that has this ability to look at what I'm seeing and almost just pause it and step away from it as if it was just a scene in a frame. It gives you this capacity to to pull out and pull away and see how everything is everything is transient, right? But at the same time, you can appreciate it. You can appreciate it as a beautiful moment or a beautiful image and take that step back away from it. And I find myself doing that a lot. Sometimes when I'm seeing just something beautiful or sometimes when I'm seeing a scene or a conflict playing out, I just think, this is just a scene. This is just a moment. And it doesn't really matter. And instead, there are these other questions. There are sort of the constant unanswerable questions. Like, why does anything exist? Why is there any world at all to begin with? There could just as easily be nothing, right? Your experience is that by taking this view a lot, the only thing that's left are the unanswerable questions. Yeah, it's sort of like, it's sort of like saying... Here's a nice lamp in a bedroom. It's fine. It looks fine. (laughs) There's a painting on the wall. It's fine. And then looking at that, but at the same time pulling way back a thousand miles away and saying, why does any of this exist? And why is there a conscious person sitting here to see it, right? Why is there anybody to see these things or hear these things? None of this is explainable. All of this seems to be just this unaccountable accident that there is any sort of world that there is any life or anything. It gives you, it's almost like a double vision. It's like, oh, I can pull away and think about those big transcendent things at the same time that I'm going about my life Mm -hmm. and doing ordinary stuff, right? And to me, when I talk about believing in God, it's like asking to what degree do you care about those weird, crazy, unaccountable, big questions? And how much is that part of your ordinary daily way of looking at things and doing things? Are those things that you only talk about in philosophy class? Are those things you only talk about when you're like high on shrooms with a few people, right? Or is that something that's kind of always in your mind all the time and that can come into play whenever you're doing anything? To me, that's what I mean when I say believe in God. It's like, I believe that there are these absolute unaccountable things that we probably aren't capable of ever answering, certainly not on our own with our like messed up puny minds, right? But they're always there in the background nonetheless. 
and that's a constant part of life. When you say, I believe in God, it's really kind of a shorthand for the type of thoughts and questions and patterns of thinking that just kind of naturally occur to you on a day-to-day basis. That's a way of categorizing it. Yeah, and that, and that I guess, appealed to me, right? You know, there's the obvious things that people know and have thought about if they study Judaism, right? <clears throat> you know, Maimonides said the... You know, God is not a person or a thing that you can describe. There's no statement that you can make about anything in the world, like this lamp is pretty or this table is broken, that you can then apply to God. So you can't really say things. If you say something like God is angry, that's not really true, certainly not literally. It's all just kind of our limited minds trying to apply descriptions to something that is totally transcendent and totally mysterious and cannot really be likened to anything in the world. It's something that stands outside, that transcends everything. There's the mathematical metaphor of like projecting stuff into a lower dimensional space. Yeah, it's like Flatland. It's like we all live in Flatland. It's like we all live in Flatland. Yeah, I think that's really what it's like. And sometimes I've told this to a couple people and they've said, well, then why do you do things like go to a synagogue and pray? And I say, well, what else are you going to do? If you think there is something that you cannot describe that is totally transcendent, totally separate and beyond everything that you encounter or deal with in your ordinary life, and you have some sort of feeling that you want to understand it, you want to think about it, you want to talk about it, what are you going to do other than some kind of prayer, right? You know, for me, that includes some of the traditional prayers. I I sometimes go to synagogue, I sometimes observe holidays, but it also is things like doing things in a prayerful way, right? And there's this concept of devikut, which is, I think, important in Hasidic theology, being mindful of God and of miracles in ordinary physical experience, right? Things like cooking and eating and whatever, you know, cleaning your house. You're aware of the sensual feelings and how those connect back or remind you of God. What you were describing before of taking like a long view in the Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if a, you know, a Hasidic Rebbe would describe it exactly the same way or would see it as the same thing. But I think of them as connected. I get very aggravated with people who just overlook things you know, who don't stop and think about, wow, you know, why does garlic smell so good? (laughs) You know, and like, (laughs) how does it make me feel when... Yeah. <laughs> a garlic aroma that could level Tacoma. <laughs> yeah, that's the good stuff. You know, and I get aggravated with people who, who ignore things like that and who don't notice, you know, how does the sunlight look at a certain time of day or what is this sound? Or if you notice those things, I think it's very similar in a way to prayer, right? It's like saying, I'm not just going to plow through life with tunnel vision. I'm going to realize and appreciate how bizarre creation is and existence. Existence, bizarre. Mm-hmm. Let's appreciate existence. Take the long view. Our conscious experience of life is a bit like a movie. I get it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You're beating me over the head with it, Sam. Take it in. All right. All right. We'll take it in. It sounds like Judaism, being a Jew, doing Jew stuff, is a bit of an arbitrary historical accident, just based on how you were raised 
just, it sounds like this approach to believing in God is pretty mappable onto everything or, or mappable onto the standard, uh, you know, major faith practices out there. What is it about the Judaism? Is it really just like a historical accident? See, you want to know, like, what's like the significance? What's of the significance Jew- of being Jewish? Well, you, know what, you know what my response is? What? That is unfair question. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's true I could not be a Jew. And I do, I do appreciate many, many different religions, if you want to call them that. Although, of course, Listeners, I object to the application of the word religion. We'll, we'll include a link to Sam's episode <laughs> no. in the description. Don't use the word religion. Sam thinks that religion does not exist. It's not, it's not a thing. It is a taxonomically vague word that ultimately means nothing and poorly describes the phenomena that it is trying to bring under its umbrella. Yeah. Well, it's a word that was originally developed to describe Christianity and then has been applied to other beliefs and traditions, and it doesn't really fit anything other than Christianity. So I definitely avoid using it in my own work, for sure, except when I'm talking about Christianity. But if you think of it that way, it's really liberating because you no longer have to think, well, I have this religion. If I'm a Jew, I have this religion, and I'm not allowed to believe in or mix and match other beliefs or practices that I might find in other places. And, you know, if you look in the Hebrew scriptures, it does say don't worship idols, right? That's bad. So, so I avoid worshiping idols. But <laughs> apart from that, it, there's nothing that says you're not allowed to learn anything or take anything from Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever you want. You can learn whatever works and is enlightening for you while also believing that you should adhere to Jewish law in some form, right? And of course, every Jew has to negotiate and figure out exactly how they're going to live out Jewish law, right? And nobody really does it perfectly. There's no 100% gold star. There's no gold star gay Jew. (laughs) Well, that's a really tough one. You really have to thread the needle for that one. But yeah, things are way more complicated than we've been told, which I think tends to be there are X number of religions, your religion is Judaism, and so you're supposed to believe X, Y, and Z, as opposed to what those people believe, who we of course are totally different from who believe some other ABC, right? It's it's really not like that at all. Everybody's really figuring shit out as they go along. What do you think you're figuring out? What are some of your beliefs that you think would shock our listeners? would really push our weirdo listeners to their limit. (laughs) Now, that's really an unfair question. Because the thing is, the social spaces where we exist now in 2020, it's sort of just saying I believe in God is going to shock a certain number of people. That's true. And then saying maybe sort of the particular ways in which I believe in God or understand God would maybe shock some other people. So it's, it's very hard. It's impossible to predict. There are a lot of people who look at Jewish traditions and they try to kind of rationalize them and say, oh, well, there's some there's some way to explain this or that custom that would be persuasive outside of Judaism. We've talked before about things like the kosher laws. Right, right, right. And how people have tried to say it was for health reasons, etc., etc. And I've sort of gotten to this point where I'm like, no... 
I don't know that there is any like rational in quotation marks justification for this, but there are certain things that you do because you do them and in doing them, they represent belonging to a group or continuity through time. You just do them and you shouldn't worry about coming up with the correct explanation for why they're valid or not. There are some people who do Judaism in a kind of Protestant way and they think, well, I'm not going to follow laws or observances unless I see the scriptural basis for them, right? Unless I get the line in scripture that tells me I should do this. And that's fine. You know, I'm not judging them, but I don't think you have to do it that way either. I always say Judaism is the laws and customs of the Jewish people. That's it. You know, that's it. (laughs) Everything kind of falls into that broad basket. And there are laws and customs that might be important to you and are part of your life that you have gained from your relationship with Jews that maybe aren't in the Torah or aren't in the Talmud, aren't necessarily here or there. And how many people actually go through and read the, the whole Torah, you know, beyond the portion they learn for their bar mitzvah? You know, Mine was Noah, by the way. <laughs> That's a fun part. That's a yeah, good one. Yeah, was cool. Whatever. Genesis is a lot more entertaining. It's more of a crowd pleaser than Deuteronomy, I think. Oh, yeah. No one likes dudes. Who needs all that numbers? Let's close them out. Do you have any final remarks? To me, this opens up so many threads, right, that I could follow in so many different ways. But something that does come to mind, if we go back to Exodus, to Shemot, I remember sometimes atheists will criticize religious philosophy and say, oh, well, you know, it's a moving target. You can't listen to them because their understanding of God is always shifting and becoming more and more abstract to the point that you can't debunk it, right? Whereas if you read the Bible, it's this very personal God. It's this God who is active and says things and does things and it's concrete. But I always remember, and I think a lot about the passage of the burning bush, right, where it's very weird. It's an extremely weird passage. It's something that I think everyone should go back and look at, like, four different ways. But he's sort of moseying along, minding his business, right? And then he just notices a burning bush. It's not like, boom, it blows up in front of him in a pillar of flame. It's just like, he notices this burning bush is here, and he pays attention to it in a way he wasn't before. And he looks, and he starts speaking with the burning bush, right? And naturally, he's curious and wants to know, so who are you? What are you? And the burning bush just says, which is super ambiguous. It's like, it means something like, I am what I am. That's like a common way to translate it. I am what I am. What does that mean? Does that mean like, shut up, you're asking the wrong question? Does that mean... I cannot tell you what I am. What I am cannot be captured in words. Does it mean something like, I am being, I am existence, I am just what exists? It's very strange and very ambiguous, but I think it points to this acceptance of ambiguity, right? And an acceptance of something 
unexplainable, right? Something strange, unexplainable, unanswerable that you just have to listen to anyway. You just have to pay attention to it and listen to it anyway, even if it isn't giving you some nice clear answer of I am the God of Jacob or whatever. All right. So listeners, Samuel B. Jetty, in summary, there are no clear answers. Take the long view. Watch a movie. Watch a movie. <laughs> Just go out there. What's a good Hepburn movie they should all watch? Adam's Rib. Go watch Adam's Rib. Catherine Hepburn plays herself. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Roughly. Samuel Biagetti, you are the producer, the person behind yes. Historian Splaining. Historian Splaining. A historian tells you why everything you know is wrong. Episodes that listeners might really appreciate are the one about religion. Judaism. Yeah, Judaism. What is it and where does it come from? Also, maybe the historiography one. Yeah, the myths we make. Yeah. We'll put a link to the pod down there. Samuel, thank you for joining me in my L-shaped room on thank my bed. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's very cool. Am I the first repeat guest? Uh, no. <sighs> Second repeat guest. <laughs> well, thank you. This is very, very cool for me. Wow. Yeah, that's Sam. That was wonderful. It was very refreshing. It's very, it was really made me think. Made me think too. Yeah. I like Sam. Yeah. What he makes me think about. (laughs) I liked a lot of things about that episode. To me, like having this episode where we're hearing from Sam about sort of his meta theology or whatever, it's sort of like we are our very own little redactors of a Talmud right now. And we have Rav Sam's viewpoint and we're like, okay, Put it on the page. Yeah. Page yeah. 32 of Masechet. Hi, how are you? I'm not necessarily thinking like, oh, I really agreed with it or oh, I really disagreed with it. I'm just like, it's nice to have it preserved and it's nice to hear what's going on for someone else, you know, how someone else is thinking about God. I just feel like listening to that interview really expanded my world. I feel like it expanded mine. Wow. Felt very fresh, like mm-hmm. a cucumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like his conception of what God is. Are you constantly noticing what is unexplainable? The things that transcend that you believe in God. That's that's all it is. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a refreshing way of putting it that I feel like I can relate to. Mm-hmm. It felt very uh, nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Thanks for doing that interview, Michael. I, I love it. Hopefully be more of Sam on the show. Yeah. And more interviews with people we can't even imagine yet. Yep. Because I'm really enjoying these interview segments of yours. I know. I know. They're really nice. They're fun. You're I like welcome. Them. You're oh. welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Ava. They're great. I'm the new Ira Glass. Uh, let's wrap it. Listeners, friends, mm. countrymen, thanks for lending me your ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for listening to this interview with us and being on this crazy journey that has been the year 5780 with us. Call the Talmud hotline with your questions, thoughts. If you want us to tell us if your outfit looks cute, whatever, just reach out. You can find the Talmud hotline number in the episode description of the show. You can find me on Twitter at Hi, how are you? And you can find Michael on Twitter at Miss underscore figured. Listeners, I can't wait to talk to you again. Well, Shana Tova, good year to you, listeners. Bye, listeners. Bye. Bye.